Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of No Names All Game. Today is October 24th, and it is Land Grant Week. My name is Chris, coming to you from New York, joined by my co-host Pat, coming to you from Los Angeles, and your Penn State Nittany Lions are taking on the Michigan State Spartans, that thorn in our side. Pat, how the hell are you? I'm doing pretty good. This is about, you know... Third or fourth time we're trying to record this episode. <laughs> Nearly one full hour after we started. Actually, I think more than an hour after we started. I'll tell so you, I'm man. feeling pretty great. Technology is a, it's supposed to help us. It's supposed to help us, but every now and then it gives us shit. So hopefully this is working. I think we're recording. I think the sound they, is good. You know, they tell you to stretch for like 10 to 15 minutes for a workout, people. At No Names All Game, we stretch for a full hour. Oh, yeah. This seven is, minutes. This isn't some JV <laughs> bullshit. This is varsity, okay? Um, but yeah, it's Michigan State week. Um, I'm terrified of this game. Uh, we're going to get into a lot of specifics, a lot of particulars. How do you feel overall? Um, it's one of these situations where like, I know we're the better team, but this game still makes me nervous. Um, and I do think Michigan State is, in some ways, like we've kind of written them off a little bit because they've got three losses already. But, you know, I, I, I'll put it this way. I don't expect this to be a blowout by any means. Yeah, and that's what uh, that's what a lot of the pundits and the talking heads are saying as well. Um, I think we've written them off appropriately, but I've also said that for the last two years and that we've lost. So it's hard to say. Um, lots to talk about in this game, but let's start with some quick hitters. If you're a new listener, every episode we're going to start with some quick hitters, some facts, some tidbits, things that are happening in uh, the Nittany Lion world. This week, uh, mostly around kind of awards. It's that time of year, mid-season awards. Uh, so first one, we want to give a shout-out to Nittanyville. They won Student Section of the Week uh, in the Taco Bell Live Mosque Student Section content contest uh, for the Whiteout this week. They are the first ever two-time winner in a single season. Now, granted, the contest has only been going on, I think, for two or three years. But hey, it's a W, and we'll take it. Shout-out to Nittanyville. Yeah, I mean, if... If Nittanyville Penn State doesn't win this award this year after being the first two-time winner and the first away game winner, I mean, I, I call collusion, I call corruption, <laughs> Epstein is still alive, oh, whatever you want. <laughs> We're going there. Okay, okay. Um, I wasn't going to go that far, but yes, I agree. I mean, it's it seems like the writing is on the wall. Nittanyville has stepped their game up. I mean, they've always been amazing, but this year... After being snubbed last year, they've really stepped it up. Uh, and I agree, if they don't win the year-long one, I will... You all know how much I love Taco Bell. I will boycott Taco Bell for one full month. I will also burn down, I mean, boycott Taco Bell. <laughs> all right, Nittanyville, shout out. You guys are awesome. Um, cool, a couple of mid-season awards, like I mentioned. Not necessarily awards, but watch lists, things like that, too. Uh, and the first one, we're going to start off with the big ones. Mid-season All-Americans. Uh, our guy Yitor Gross Matos, midseason All American on uh, both the AP and the Sporting News, and Micah Parsons, midseason All American by Rivals. Uh, what do you think about those? Um, I think the Yitor one is not surprising at all. Uh, he's he I'm, he's a guy who people were projecting to go in the first round of the draft coming into this season. Penn State's defense and like sack totals have been huge. I don't have his numbers offhand, but he's got to be one of like the at least the conference's top sack getters sackers yeah you would call it this point um and michael parsons uh you love to honestly love to see it because everyone at penn state knows how good this kid is but i think it's hard for him to like put up those monster numbers every single game because of how good penn state's defense is where like so many guys 
get to eat. You know, like he's had games where he's put up monster numbers, like last game with the 14 tackles and all that. But it's hard for him to do that every single game. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And uh, obviously the AP and the sporting news are two of the more prestigious. I don't know exactly which ones like count towards like the unanimous selections or whatnot. Um, but yeah, very happy for you, Tor. Um, there are a lot of good, a lot of good Not to dance. mention with him missing basically a whole game from an ejection. When did he miss a game? Micah Parsons? Oh, I thought you were talking about Yitor. I was like, oh, oh Jesus. No, Micah Parsons. Okay, scared me for a second. Uh, yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good like, point. Makes actually. the stats even more. Yeah, impressive. for for Yitor, I, I think it's super challenging because there are just so many good edge rushers. I mean, even in the Big Ten, you got Chase Young, who's in the conversation for number one overall pick in the draft next year. Yeah. Uh, AJ Epinesa, who we just saw in Iowa, really good. And then, of course, around the country, there's a ton of good edge rushers. So for him to be mid-season All-America on both of these. I love that. And yeah, yeah I agree Some of the top guy. guys in the country, like Shaka Tony and Jason Owe. Yes, really. And <laughs> <laughs> All of these guys. Um, but yeah, I agree. I agree on the Micah stuff. Um, and you, you hear a lot about it. You hear about the athleticism. You hear about how his instincts are crazy. Uh, in Franklin's press conference, um, they asked him about that. Someone said, uh, one of the reporters asked, is there anything he can do on the field that would surprise you anymore? And how high is his ceiling? And I actually really loved um, James Franklin's answer. He said, Mike has gotten a lot better fundamentally, but still making a lot of plays on just athleticism and instincts. Um, that's not a bad thing, uh, as fundamentals and technique continue to improve. Understanding the game at that position, which is still fairly new to him, it's hard to say where he can go. And this is my favorite part. He goes, literally, I don't think he's anywhere close to his ceiling. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I think he's one of the better players in college football, but it's all still new to him. He's embraced the techniques and fundamentals, excited to watch him get even better. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the perfect way to put it, that like we don't feel like he's anywhere near his ceiling, and he's still one of the best. Yeah, so shout out to those guys, midseason All-America. Um, if you remember, one of my preseason predictions is that we would have at least one consensus All-American, so hopefully this is good news to that prediction. Um Another midseason honor. This one surprised me a bit. The Joe Moore Award honor roll, which uh, shouts out the best offensive line group in the country. Now, this is this is not a win. This is just you're on the list amongst others. Penn State's offensive line group is on the midseason list. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think old Pat's got to eat, eat his own words here. <laughs> uh, not only from the beginning of the season where I thought this would be a, you know, sort of a one of the lesser units on our team, but even into the season where I was hammering this offensive line for underperforming. And, you know, to this point, I mean, they're letting up less than two sacks a game. That hasn't even changed since the competition has risen. you got to give it up to Penn State's offensive line. Yeah, I mean, I remember, I think it was week three, maybe. Uh, I was, uh, we were both, I think, talking about how, like, Lime is not going to be here next year. And again, you don't want to talk about I was starting a petition. (laughs) You don't want to talk about another man's job, but it was true. At that point, we were like, hey, this is still a liability. How can you keep building a program if this is still a liability? And whether or not Lime Grover stays around, not even going to debate that right now, but I think obviously... Very happy to be wrong. The the fact that we're not talking about the O-line nearly as much as we once were is a good thing. So shout out to those guys. Um, Franklin was asked about this. He was asked about the O-line in general, um, but also specifically about this award. They said, you know, um, you know, how do you feel on this award? They even pointed out uh, Rashid Walker, like, quote, tweeted it and said, the culture has changed in the O-line. And uh, Franklin said, Franklin said, Matt's done some good things, talking about Lime Grover, said the maturity that we have, the talent we have, the depth we have. 
Uh, he called out Tyler Bowen, tight ends coach, who helps out with the O-line as well. And uh, he, he called out a grad assistant a couple times. I couldn't figure out the person's name. But obviously there's a lot of focus on this. And then uh, the players he called out, Gonzalez, Mennett, and Fries, leading that group, taking pride in who and what they're going to be. So he acknowledged that they still have still have improvement, and which is always going to be the case. Um, but pretty cool to see them getting some shine. And, and hopefully this is, you know, even more motivation to just keep going with it, you know? Yeah, and I've also I've loved seeing CJ Thorpe out there adding like not only some depth to the uh, to the line, but also just the, the mentality that he has. I I like the way he plays. I love seeing him out there. Yeah, and frankly, I mentioned that too. He said, uh, you know, the depth and playing playing a bunch of guys helps us because there's different experience levels, there's different freshness levels when you're rotating guys in and out, and there's different styles, right? Like CJ is that super aggressive guy that you know in run defense he looks really really good. Um, sometimes you see a guy like Miranda play a little bit better in pass defense. So yeah, I think it's I think it's a different look than we've seen in the past with guys rotating in and out with younger guys playing bigger roles, but. Things are working, and we're not talking about them every week as a liability. Shout out to the O-line. And that's the unfortunate job of an O-lineman is you want to not get talked about. Yep. Uh, so yep. kudos to you guys to <laughs> shut me up. Yeah, shout out. Um, all right, up next, Sean Clifford named to the Manning Award watch list for the top QB in the nation. Um there are a bunch of different like awards. There are several different QB ones, I think. There's the Davey O'Brien. There's a couple of them, but... If the Manning name is on it and it's four quarterbacks, I'm pretty happy that Clifford is on that list. Hell yeah. And I mean, has Sean Clifford been like a perfect quarterback so far this season? No. I think there's things he has to improve on, but he's been really good. And, you know, I think even by our own Penn State standards, he's been good. But especially when you see like college football pundits, uh, you know, aren't Penn State, Penn State people at the beginning of the season – we're leaving us out of the top 25 mm-hmm. because they had so many question marks at quarterback. And Sean Clifford has delivered just above and beyond not only our expectations, but like so far above that of the nation's expectations of him and this team. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out uh, Joel Klatt, I think it was, who left us out yeah. completely. And he even put out a video saying how wrong he was, which was kind of cool. Yeah, I see. love Joel Klatt. Yeah, I, I have mixed opinions on him, but I appreciate it. I appreciated the video. He came out. He's like, Penn State, is it too late? Am I allowed to say sorry? And like everyone was like, yeah, yeah, you're forgiven. I was like, fuck you, man. You left us out of the top 25. Um, yeah, he's got us at like six now, though, doesn't he? Yeah, Five, maybe? exactly. Exactly. So people cool people have come around, and Cliff is a big reason for that. Uh, we actually do have a Twitter question. He has ranked above Clemson on, on his rankings. Okay. So. All right. I'm coming around on Joel Klatt. He's coming around on us. I'm coming yeah. around on him. Um, we do have a Twitter question later about Clifford and how I've kind of been hard on him, so we will come back to that. But very excited for him. Uh, next one, this should not be a surprise at all, but Coach James Franklin uh, added to the Bear Bryant Coach of the Year watch list. Uh, he's already on the Dodd Trophy watch list, which is another Coach of the Year. Again, there's several of these, but the Dodd and the Bear Bryant, I think, are the top two, and he is now on both, which, again, 7-0, number six in the country with a lot of new pieces on offense and defense. You kind of expect that, but... Very happy nonetheless. Coach James Franklin doing a damn good job. Yeah, I mean, and it makes sense considering, look, look at the top, top six teams are all undefeated. Alabama, everyone thought they'd be undefeated at this point. LSU, probably one of the only ones that people, you know, people probably look at them as like a one-loss team right by now. Ohio State, most people probably think is undefeated. Clemson, everyone thinks would be undefeated. And Oklahoma, everyone who doesn't go to Texas thinks they'd be undefeated at this point. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, James Franklin took a, 
again, a team that people were picking to finish outside the top 25, people were considering Maryland a potential loss, Iowa a probable loss, Michigan an almost definite loss, and he's coached this team to 7-0. and How can you not have that guy on the watch list for Coach of the Year? Yeah, exactly. And hell, I mean, you keep this run up, you're going to have a good chance at winning it. Um, the one stat that's been going around on Twitter uh, that, that actually surprised me and, and is actually, I think, even a little more impressive than the face value shows. Uh, since 2016, Coach James Franklin has 38 wins, which puts him at about an 81 win percentage. And that puts him third behind in, in amongst all active coaches behind Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney, who are both at a ridiculous 94%. I mean, that's impressive. Like, when you actually take a step back and you're like, okay, out of every single coach in the country, and the only asterisk I'll say, Urban Meyer is no longer active, he would be ahead of Franklin slightly. Franklin's at 81, Meyer's at like 88, so I guess more than slightly. Um, but of active coaches, the only two that have a better winning percentage from 2016 till now are Nick Saban and Dabble Sweeney. Yeah, I mean, that's better than Harbaugh at Michigan. That's better than Notre Dame. That's better than Oklahoma. That's better than Texas. Better than Auburn. Better than LSU. And there are people who still want James Franklin to be fired. Get the <laughs> hell out of here. Right? Right? Yeah, it's just not going to happen. I mean, and it's super impressive because it's what, I think 38 and 7 since then. Um, and those losses, I think I think all of them, or most of them, we, I think we've lost one. We lost once in, to Ohio State at home, right? Um, yeah. Most of those and losses. And once to Michigan are, State at home. Yeah, most of those losses are on the road against the big ranked teams that we've played, the Ohio State, the Michigan State, the Michigan. So, like, that kind of makes it even more impressive that, yeah, he's taking care of business where it needs to be taken care of. Yes, he's had trouble against the big teams, but we're starting to see that momentum shift as well. So, all in all, just a, a cool stat and, and makes you kind of take a step back for all of the scrutiny that we put on him and the program. I mean, we talk about this team every single week, and we always find things to nitpick and, and to talk about how we want better. It's been pretty good overall. Yeah, and I mean, Penn State's currently at one of the best like stretches of wins that they've had in their entire history as a program. Yeah. Like a, another shout out to Joel Klatt. Uh, he was on Colin Cowherd talking about how coaches like Saban and Urban Meyer have kind of ruined like success for other people. Because I mean, if you look at you know who's the guy that every Penn Stater puts on the pedestal, it's Joe Paterno. Yep. That everyone loves. The guy coached for what forty years. Mm-hmm. And won two national championships, and we love him. And like people think he's the greatest coach of all time. Yep. I, James Franklin's been here for five years, and we're contending for national championships. Like, let's be pretty satisfied <laughs> with what we got going, people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So shout out, Coach James Franklin. We love you, man. Uh, for anyone who's still talking about rumors of him going to USC or for someone else coming in, just get out of here. Um, all right, last quick hitter, uh, and then we'll jump into this game. Sack Hunger is back. Uh, if you guys are not familiar, Coach Sean Spencer uh, runs a charity. Um, I don't know if it's not an official charity, but a fundraiser kind of thing that we call Sack Hunger. Uh, he donates money or donates food to the State College Food Bank for every – last year it was for every sack the D-line had. Uh, they donated a turkey right around Thanksgiving, which was awesome. Uh, this year they're actually doing it for every sack and every false start that they initiate. So like more it. turkeys, more food going to the local food bank. Uh, last year, we were very happy to help. Why stop it there? Let's throw tackles for loss in there, too. <laughs> Just throw everything, right? Yeah. Um, last year, we were really happy to participate. We, we saw that they were doing this. We said, yep, we're going to donate five bucks per sack. Uh, I think we had 40-something sacks, so we ended up donating a couple hundred bucks. 
very, very happy to help out. Um, we're going to do something similar this year. Not quite exactly the same. We're going to make it a little different. Uh, Pat, I haven't even told you this yet. So I'm not okay. going to completely give it away here, but there might be some sort of giveaway coming up where you guys can maybe win some things, get involved, donate, help out. We're going to try to raise money. We're going to try to raise awareness um, and really help Coach out because he's doing an awesome thing. Um, if you go to the GoFundMe, he's actually he's the first donor, and he donated 500 bucks just to get it going. Um, it, it's such a cool thing that he does to give back to the community. The players actually go and deliver the food. I just I love it. I love Coach Chaos. We will definitely, definitely be a part of that. Yeah, he's the man. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, sorry, one more quick hitter. Something new you guys will hear in this episode for the very first time. We have a voicemail line. Um, most podcasts have been doing this for years. We're a little bit behind. As you've heard, it's taken us an hour just to get this episode going. Uh, but we have a voicemail line. So I will, uh, I'll tweet the number out. I'll keep it in our pinned tweets so you guys can see that. Uh, but we do have our first call on this episode from Sweens. Shout out Sweens, one of our Twitter followers. We're going to play that later. Hopefully it works. And then we'll make this a thing going forward. Of course, you guys can always continue to write in with your questions. We love when you do that. But if you want to get on the show, if you want to hear your voice, um, give us a call. So that'll be pretty cool. All right, let's jump into the game itself. Like we mentioned before, um, kind of a scary game. So in, in James Franklin's history, 1-4 and four against Michigan State with the only win coming at home. So he will be attempting to make uh, another milestone history in his Penn State coaching career, winning in East Lansing. Uh, they beat us the last two years. We talked about that. Uh, I think the big trend is they beat us the last two years after heartbreaking losses to Ohio State, right? We had two games that were super close that we thought we should have won, uh, and then we had to go in and, and play them. And you don't want to say that's the reason, right? You don't want to say it was, all oh, just morale was down or, oh, it was the three-hour delay, but it seemed like things were working against us. Um this year, 7-0, and there's a lot of hype, there's a lot of excitement about the program. We hope, we believe that this is going to be the year that things change. Um, Michigan State, you mentioned earlier that maybe we've written them off a little too early. They are 4-3 and three this year. They have losses to Arizona State, Ohio State, and Wisconsin. And this will be their third top 10 game in a row. So they lost to Ohio State, 38-10. Lost to Wisconsin, 34 nothing, and then they have to deal with us coming in, uh, currently ranked number sixth. So before we get into stats, what's your what's your overall feeling, man? What are you thinking about this game? It's a conflicted feeling because, on the one hand, uh, Michigan State's been a solid defensive team, uh, and Mark D'Antonio is just a really tremendous coach. And there's part of you that like looks at what they've done, and they're coming off a of bye week, so they've got extra time to compare. And you're like, man, what are the chances that Mark D'Antonio – it's going to lose a third straight game at home. Like I just like it. If I was looking at this object, like having no knowledge of Penn State, not being a Penn State fan, I would almost bet on Michigan State being like, dude, no way, D'Antonio loses three in a row. You know what yeah. I mean? Like what, it yeah. feels like one of those games. Um, on the other hand, though, they just haven't played well against good teams. Like they take care of business against the teams they're better than. But I mean, you, well, you, they scored ten points against Arizona State. Yeah. Right who's not nearly as good as us, uh, 10 points against Ohio State and zero points against Wisconsin. Yeah, that sounds about I mean, right. I don't see them performing any better against our defense. Uh, yeah, yeah I agree. Who's certainly better than Arizona State's. <laughs> I agree uh, and completely. Definitely, I think, on par, at worst, on par with Wisconsin and Ohio State. Um, and even like their run defense, which has been pretty stout, 
has not been good against good teams. Yeah, they've been yeah. great against mediocre teams, but their run defense they they got run on by Wisconsin and by Ohio State and by Indiana. Yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting run for them. So if we look at their their run this season, they opened up against Tulsa. They won twenty eight seven. They beat up on Western Michigan fifty one seventeen, and then they lost to Arizona State ten seven. So they actually only scored seven points in that game. Seven, okay. Uh, they beat Northwestern 31-10. Then they beat Indiana 40-31. to So even in a win, they let up 31 against an te- Indiana team that they're not great. I mean, they're not awful. They're no Rutgers, but they're not They're great. better than we've expected Indiana to be in recent years. Sure, well, sure, but still, but still, for them to give up 31 points when they are, yeah. quote-unquote, very talented defense. Uh, and then, like you mentioned, 34 to Ohio State, 38 to Wisconsin. So... Yeah, I, I kind of I, I feel the same way of like, yeah, three top 10 games in a row. D'Antonio's a great coach. They're pissed off. Like if this is if this is no name. Extra week to prepare at home for them. Yeah, if this is no names all game, a Michigan State podcast, like we're sitting here saying, listen, we've gotten our asses kicked. We've had the bye week. We got our stuff together and we have Penn State's number. We're going to get back on track. Like that's what they're saying right now. Yeah, and I don't blame them. I, I, I can see. I'll put it this way. I don't think it's going to happen, but I could see it. Yeah, and a lot of people are picking them to win. Um, a lot of people, I mean, if you look at uh, the point spread, and we'll get to it in a bit, um, I mean, this game opened at, I mean, most books had it. Some had it as high as like seven and a half, eight. Some books are down to five and a half. And what and that, doesn't, that doesn't mean that um, Vegas or, or sports uh, odds makers think that it's going to be closer means that people are betting Michigan State moving that line down. So like the public is starting to back Michigan State or, or trying to get that trap in there that they think they can win some money. So uh, there's a lot of things to factor. It's It's been an Achilles heel for us. It's been a thorn in our side, but I do feel a lot more confident this year than I have in past. So let's look at a little bit of some statistics here. Um, let's look. I, I typically, I've read these so incorrectly in the past. I go like offense, offense. Let's look at their offense against our defense. See how we match up. Um, Michigan State averaging about 24 points a game. This is Michigan State's offense. It's 96th in the nation. Not great. Our defense letting up only 10 points per game, which is third in the country. Um, so you look at their offense being not really prolific, not scoring a ton of points, only 24, and you, you heard some of those shitty teams they played early on against us letting up 10. That bodes pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I think there's no shot we let up three off- offensive touchdowns. Yeah, this this I think is where our biggest advantage comes. So rushing, rushing. They are averaging 117 rushing yards a game, which is 110th in the nation. So they do not have a very strong run game. We are allowing only 66 yards per game, which is fourth in the nation. And the stat that I love the most, we're only allowing 1.9 yards per rush, which is first in the nation. Yeah, I mean, that's that's about as dominant as it gets. I, I love our run, D. Um, obviously, we saw Michigan have a little bit of success against us. Um, again, we, we talked about it in the recap. That's... Ben, some of the you attribute some of that to our defense was just on the field a whole lot. Um, I, I feel I feel very confident in our run D against Michigan State. Not worried. Now we go to the pass D, 
And this is where I start worrying a little bit, not so much for the numbers, but because of the history and Brian motherfucking Lewerke. Now, I use the middle name motherfucking a lot when I'm talking about our guys in a positive way. This is a negative. This is a negative motherfucking. It goes both ways. They're averaging 240 pass yards a game, 64th in the country. We're allowing 216, 59th in the country. So, like, the numbers don't tell you a lot. But, man, we have seen Lewerke do a lot of things, particularly against us and really just in general. He's one of those, like, nagging quarterbacks, kind of like a Nate Stanley, like we've talked about, where he's just – He's good enough. You don't think he's going to go out and win a major game for you, but like he's done it over and over. Yeah, and I think he's having kind of a down year. It seems like, uh, but he's that, yeah. like one thing that the coaches pointed out that he does is he gets rid of the ball quick. Yes, and our defense a lot. You know, we're we like to get sacks. We like to bring pressure, and if he's able to get the ball out quick, that you know that really negates a lot of what we like to do. Yeah, absolutely. it's something that worries you. Yeah, so on the year, Lewerke's got about 1,600 yards, completion percentage at 57%, so not, not amazing. Um, his long is 48, 11 touchdowns, three interceptions, and he's been sacked 10 times. So, yeah, he does get it out quick. Um, you're absolutely right. We we thrive on getting pressure and, and letting, our, letting our secondary kind of do their thing. Um, we will have another true freshman burning their red shirt this game, Marquise Wilson, defensive back. Uh, he's up to, uh, I think, the number three corner behind Reed and Trent Gordon now. So you've seen Keaton Ellis in there a whole lot uh, as a true freshman. Um, we've talked about how Donovan Johnson, who we thought was going to have um, a big role in this defense, he's been hurt. He hasn't really played. So you look at Tariq Catchfields and John Reed. Then you go to Trent Gordon, who's a second-year guy getting his first real reps. And Keaton Ellis, true freshman, super athletic, super, super, super good corner. I think he's going to be great for us, but true freshman. And now you got Marquise Wilson in there. So, yeah, it's it's going to be one of those things that we're gonna we're gonna need a little bit of extra out of our secondary this game so that we can kind of take away some of that. Um, and and I don't know. I just I have nightmares of Brian Lewerke. Like we recorded this podcast last year, and I I think my exact words were, Brian Lewerke doesn't scare me. And then he went out and fucking killed us. So, like, yeah, that scares me a little bit. Yeah, and what I mean, what what kind of what uh the fact that he gets rid of the ball so quickly says to me is our linebackers are going to have to be good in pass defense against this game. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a little bit of a different challenge. Like, we saw, we saw Michigan do this a little bit as they started mounting their comeback where they were taking a lot of the underneath routes, but it didn't feel to me like he was getting rid of it super quick. It still looked like there was time. Like, we weren't getting the pressure, which is why he had some time. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how, how our D-line fares against their O-line. Um, they've only allowed 1.4 sacks per game, which is tied for 30th in the country. That's actually even better than our O-line has been. Um, and we are uh, averaging four sacks a game, uh, which is tied for fourth in the country. So... To good on good there. Um, you know, we can kind of beat this one to death, but our guys are, we know how talented our D-line can be. We saw them struggle a little bit against Michigan. Um, Franklin noted in his press conference that um, our D-line mentioned that their interior was one of the best that we had faced. Um, and Michigan State's going to be another pretty good one. Yeah, it'll be a good challenge. Uh, it's going to be a great barometer for where this D-line is at. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then finally, their red zone offense, they are 84%, uh, 22 for 26. Uh, so they've missed four opportunities there. Good math, Chris. 
Uh, of those 22, 15 are touchdowns, 7 are field goals. Um, so decent in the red zone, 56 in the country at that 84%, nothing crazy. Um, our red zone defense, we allow uh, scores 80% of the time, which sounds really bad, but there's only been, good. Eh, not great. It's tied for 44th in the country, um, but there's only been 15 trips. So when I, when I say tied for 44th percentage-wise, like – We've only stopped 20% of them, but there's only been 15 trips. So 12 for 15. Also, like you should score in the red zone. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's pretty um, easy to kick a field goal from the 20-yard line. Right, and I think that's that's the success metric there. Is they've, uh, we've allowed 12 scores out of 15 attempts. Seven of them have been touchdowns. Five of them have been field goals. So we've been forcing field goals in the red zone. You'd like to see that at a little bit of a higher rate, but things happen. And it looks like, I mean, they're kicking field goals close to half of the time. In the red zone, it looks like. Um, not quite. About a third of a time. So they they have time? they have fifteen touchdowns, seven field goals. I I think they're gonna have trouble putting the ball in the end zone against us. I agree. More more I than agree. twice. I actually, yeah, I feel good about that, especially seeing how our defense uh, really kind of honed in on Michigan when they were in the red zone. Um, obviously, that one where called called in Shea Patterson on the on the QB sneak when we don't think he was and then the last play where you know we made them made them throw it on fourth and the kid dropped it like I feel good about our defense in that in that sense um and then the last stat we have here is third down conversion they're converting at 38 percent um not that great 73rd in the country um it's not that far off from where we're at which is why I don't want to trash it too much yeah 38 percent uh and we allow uh third down conversions at a 30 percent clip which is actually good for 16th in the country so I mean, we, we're rattling off a lot of numbers here. Some of you might have drifted off during this segment, but like all in all, I feel very good about our defense versus their offense. The only thing I'm worried about is Lewerke just kind of carving us up, taking these slow, meticulous drives, taking the life out of us, and keeping our offense off the field. But all in all, I feel good. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm worried about maybe him getting passes off before we can get pressure on him seems to be his MO and that's something that could give us trouble, but not to the point where I think it's like a matchup nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, so let's flip to our offense versus their defense. Um, again, we talked about how their defense is, is a strong one. Um, and this will be sort of, uh, you know, no spoilers, but maybe a key to victory here. Penn State scoring 40 points a game, which is tied for 10th. Um, Michigan State defense only allowing 21. Uh, and that inc- I mean, that's kind of impressive, including their, you know, the, the ones I rattled off. 31 to Indiana, 38 to Ohio State, 34 to Wisconsin. Their average is still only 21. So, to your point, they've, they've done what they needed to against bad teams, but... This is gonna show us. Hey, are we are we one of those good teams that can drop thirty five plus on them, or are we gonna struggle? Um, rushing D, they're they're not as good as I thought they were, man. I mean, you heard me say before we're fourth in the country in yards per game, first in yards per rush. Uh, they're twenty seventh and twenty eighth in those categories, so they are letting up about one hundred and eighteen yards per game. And this one I find even more fascinating, letting up almost three and a half yards per rush. It's not great. No. Um, the big thing has been, like I said earlier, they, against good teams, they've had they've been run all over. Yeah. Uh, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Indiana have been able to run all over them. They've been able to shut it down otherwise. Weirdly enough, their passing defense has been 
pretty stout all season. I think they held Ohio State to their fewest amount of passing yards all season. Uh, they've been very consistent with their passing defense. Yeah, and, they're they're letting up uh, just under 200 yards a game, 196. Um, which is not an ideal matchup for us because we pass better than we run. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, we have some Twitter questions about this too. Like, this is, I mean, we say it every week, but like, this is going to be another test. Can we get that running game going? Yeah. Can we utilize our running backs how we think we should utilize them? Um, also, can we be consistent enough in the pass game Yes, that their pass defense doesn't neutralize us? Yep, exactly. Um, so rattle off a couple other quick ones here, and then we'll get into some of our questions. Um, third down percentage, we're converting at 42%, which is nice. We're working our way up there. Um, they're allowing 38%. It's pretty pretty much of a wash there. Um our red zone offense is, is really good, man. 96.3%, which is 26 for 27. And the stat you love here is that 21 touchdowns and five field goals. So when yeah. we're getting in the red zone, we're punching it in. Yeah, I, you can't ask for much more. Yeah, their red zone defense, um, kind of similar to ours. There's a 76%. Uh, so they there's... Uh, a little bit better. We're, we're letting up 80%. They're letting up 76 um, Yeah, I, I feel confident about our team in the red zone. I'm not going to really dwell on that one. Um, and then for us, sacks allowed 1.7. They are averaging 2.8, 2.9 sacks a game. So I think I think that's going to be another one is, is in the trenches. How does this look? How does our offensive line take a challenge? Because they, they do have a pretty solid front four. Uh, they got Panusiak down there, who was a, a Penn State target at one time. Um, Batchy, Bachi, I don't know how you say his name. They, they've got a couple of studs uh, on that defensive line that maybe you don't hear in the same sentence as a Chase Young or an A.J. Epinesa, but they're just kind of like those blue-collar grinders that are going to get after you. Um, so we'll have to see how Sean Clifford and, and the O-line react to that as well. How's his name spelled? This, yeah, the kid you weren't sure of. Uh, B-A-C-H-I-E, I think. B-A-C-H-I-E. Yeah, I don't know. That's tough. I'm almost positive. I, I'll... Franklin had problems saying it in the press conference, so it's not just me. I'm just putting that out there. Um, but yeah, that, that's I mean that's the run of the mill uh, stats there for you. The last one's turnover margin, um, pretty similar. We're, we're at a plus four. They're at a plus three. We've had ten takeaways. We've lost six. They've had twelve takeaways, but they've lost nine. So we'll see how that plays into it as well. Um, man, these preview episodes are tough because like we obviously we run down the stats. We know. We know enough about these teams from kind of watching the highlights and everything, but it's just it's really hard to really drill into this without getting super, super analytical. So Yeah. By the way, for a team with only three interceptions, nine turnovers seems like, like a lot. It seems like yeah. a lot of fumbles to me. A lot of fumbles. A lot of fumbles. So um, hopefully the weather is good. Uh, I don't want another three-hour fucking rain delay. Yeah. Uh, I think it's supposed to be good. There is a, there's a chance of showers later on, so everybody do a little bit of a rain dance for you at home. As long as there's no lightning. Yeah, seriously. All right, I think uh, I think we jump to Twitter questions first, and then we do predictions. What do you think? All right, I like it. All right, so we are going to start with our first ever voicemail, and we're going to hope that this yes. works. All right, so I'm going to unplug my headphones. Pat, can you still hear me? Yes, I can. All right, let's see if this works. What up? It's your boy Sween, aka Sween Eggs and Ham, aka Lawn Boys Louie, aka We Are 14. Is there any reason we shouldn't crush this Michigan State team? We got guys on this team that have been playing for two, three years that have lost to the hands of Michigan State, inferior Michigan State teams, way too often. 
the defense should be all over Lewerke, and there's no reason our offense shouldn't be able to move the ball down the field on this team. This defense is not as good as they claim to be, and they're going to get exposed. They've already been exposed. I don't see any reason we shouldn't be able to beat them. So, thoughts on that, guys. Second, do you guys ever have guests on the podcast? Anyone ever call in or anyone ever do kind of an exclusive content? Because I'd be interested in that, too. Let me know. Could you hear that? I did. I like it. I like Lawn Boys Louie, too. Lawn Boy Louie, we are 14. Sweet Eggs and Ham. This guy's all over the place. Sweetens. Yeah, I like Sweetens. We love I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big Sweetens fan. Yeah, big fan. Um, so let's uh, let's answer. I'll, I'll answer quickly. Uh, do we ever have people on the podcast? We have had a couple of guests. Uh, first season, we interviewed uh, a guy who ran an Ohio State podcast for the Ohio State episode. Uh, it gets to be a little much trying to get like a, uh, somebody from a different school on because like we have so much to say already. It's just a lot. Um, but we did have Adam Brenneman on for an episode, former tight end. Uh, he is now a podcast host of his own and is basically stealing our jobs because he has gotten all of the former players on because they're his yeah. friends. Adam, we love you, but quit stealing our job. Uh, and then we also had an interview. They took our jobs. Uh, and then we also had an interview with uh, Cameron, who's the president of Nittanyville. All good interviews. Go check those out. Um, but yeah, in the future, we would like to do more. Um, we would love to get more people on the show. Uh, obviously, figuring out the best way to do it technologically. We're still learning through that. Um, and it's having like friends and people call in. Yeah. I mean, this, the voicemail is, is going to be one way for sure. Getting people to call in, share thoughts. Um, but yeah, we're, we're definitely open to growing and expanding. Um, I shout out my friends all the time. You hear Brandon Beal, Tony Black. I give those guys love. We're going to get them on the show. Um, so yeah, we, we will figure that out. Um, I, I would guess maybe in the off season, we'll start doing more of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Off season seems like a good time just cause we're already putting out like hour long episodes. Yeah, exactly. Just all the content for football. Yeah, so, and to give you but guys a all peek, season, I think it would be fun to have guests on. Yeah, definitely. And to give you guys a peek behind the curtain, like Pat and I both work full time. Pat's trying to kill the stand-up comedy thing. You know, we're on different coasts now. So there's a lot that goes into it. We appreciate the hell out of you guys calling in, writing in. It makes this so much more fun. Um, so, yeah, stay tuned for the offseason. Sweens, you'll be one of our first calls. Uh, but now to the tactical question. Is there any reason we shouldn't crush this Michigan State team without giving away your prediction, Pat? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, yes, the reason being that they've got a solid pass defense. Um, and like no matter who they play, they seem to have a solid pass defense. And their one potential weakness in their run defense, we don't have the best, most consistent running game. So there, there's a bit of a matchup uh, foible for Penn State, if you will, uh, that I don't love in terms of us blowing them out. And it's a home game for them, and they've got an incredible coach. And, you know, they've had a bye week to prepare just for us for two weeks. So there's definitely reasons why we shouldn't blow them out. It could happen. I mean, this Penn State team has been so impressive at times this season that, you know, it, it wouldn't floor me if we blew them out. But, like, also we've, you know, you know, we played Michigan super close and after being up 28 nothing, and should have been a blowout and wasn't. I mean, yeah. when it comes to quality teams and quality coaches – I, I just never expect for us to walk right through them. Yeah, I'll take the flip side of that. I agree with I agree with most of what you just said, but just to, to kind of give the other side of the coin, no, there's not a reason. Like, we should blow this team out. Uh, I love the point of, yeah, there are guys that have been there. Um, you know, you look at the guys, Tariq Castro-Fields, John Reed, Garrett Taylor, Cam Brown, Jan Johnson. Like, for as, as many young and new guys as we have, there's a lot of experience, too, that have been in these exact games. Um, 
And and you look at their defense. I agree. Um, you know their their pass defense has historically been good. Um, I was reading an article the other day how they've kind of shifted from what used to be a very heavy quarters defense, which took away a lot of like the deep plays, um, to more of just a kind of a tight zone because they don't have quite the athleticism and the top end DBs that they once had. I mean, you remember a couple of years ago they were sending guys off to the NFL consistently in the secondary. Um, maybe not a couple, maybe more than a couple of years ago, but it hasn't quite happened as recently. Um, and Franklin was asked about uh, this in the press conference, said, how do you generate explosive plays against a defense that doesn't allow or that tries to take that away? And he said a bunch of stuff. I won't read it all because that would take five minutes. But what I really liked um, is when he talked about kind of making adjustments at the end. He said, because uh, he talked about like teams are going to do this, teams are going to do that. And then he said, but when you realize how a team is playing you, Either in that game or as the season goes on, we as play callers and players have to be more comfortable hitting those underneath routes. And we got to hit them more consistently, hit them on third downs. And the funny thing is, that's where explosive plays come from. The better we can throw underneath and throw in a way that he can advance the ball, it'll open things up. I loved that he said that. He always says, we, 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 we. And then he said at the end that he can advance the ball, like putting it on Clifford. I love that. Um, and then he goes on to say, got to hit 100% of the gimmies. Ones that we've worked like heck to protect and get a guy over, we've got to hit them. And I don't want to come that, I don't want that to come off the wrong way. He says that all the time. Uh, he says, I couldn't be more pleased with Sean, but we got to hit a higher rate of those. Same thing in the run game. Got to consistently make the one free hit or miss or the one guy who's being blocked but falls off after a last minute, blah, 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 blah. He kind of tries to rationale it, but like, yeah, there is no reason why we shouldn't be able to blow this team out because if we're doing those little things like we know we can, this offense just becomes so dynamic. Yeah, and I mean, so far this season, you know, we've beaten Michigan, we've beaten Iowa, one of those games away. Those teams both look like they're better than Michigan State. Who knows? Maybe we do blow Michigan State out. We yeah. could. I, yeah. think we, I think if you just look at straight talent, yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But right. not let's to, <laughs> yeah, let's get to some of the uh, Twitter questions. Sweens, thanks for calling in again. We appreciate you. Once we eventually start making t-shirts and stuff, I'll send you one on us. All right, uh, Blue and White Sports, uh, thank you for writing in, says, over under on the number of carries for Noah Kane, I'll set the number at 10. That's a tough one. What do you think? Over under? I go over uh, just because – the way God, they're uh, with an over. Yes, that's right, baby. Oh man. Okay, because, because of the way coaching staff looks at how they've given up run yards to to good teams, and if they're we're going to try to take advantage of that, I think. This is a this is a first ever on No Names All Game, first in history. Pat has taken the over. You're taking I, the under. I'm gonna take the under, and this is this is not what I want to happen, but this is what I believe might happen. Um, it's just it's one of those things where again I, I do feel like I feel like there's a chance that they they are able to put together some drives that extend a little bit longer, keeping our offense off the field for maybe a little bit longer than we'd like, which might limit the overall number of plays we have. I think we're gonna have some explosive plays that might limit the number of plays we have. Um, and if you're only running the ball 20, 25, 30 times, I just don't see it. Now do I think it should happen? Of course. Because we saw what happens when you give Noah Kane the ball in a game like Iowa, where he's able to churn out a bunch against a good run D. Like, you see the effect he can have. And we, man, we talked about this at nauseum on the last episode. Like, yes, I think he should. Do I think he will? I don't know. 
I, I'm going to say no. So uh, in, in in the press conference, I know I keep referencing this, but Franklin said uh, it, it was a really good question. Um, the, the reporter asked him, like, James, we always ask you about Noah Kane, and we ask it the same way. Is there is there something we're missing? Are we asking it the wrong way? Like, you keep giving the same answer that you love four guys, but, like, tell us what we're missing, which I thought was, like, a really funny way to ask that kind of question. Um, but Franklin, Franklin even said, like, he's like, no, I really appreciate the way you've asked that. And to answer, yes, there's something you're missing. Like uh, he said, we practice and we're at meetings for like 16 hours a day. You guys get 20 minutes at the end of practice and you see the game. There's a thousand points that go into the decision. He said, we're pleased with all four. We're very pleased with Noah. We had him at dinner last night. My wife was busting his chops, blah, 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 blah. Um, but he said, he goes, you see how we deal with young players. Kind of like Micah last year where he didn't start a game, but he played starter reps. The difference there is there wasn't four guys that we were rotating. Um and then he gave the spiel, we're 1-0 this week, and everyone's doing good things, and we'll see how it goes. So, like, do I want him to get a lot? Yes. Do I think he's going to? It breaks my heart, but I'm going to say no. So I will gladly be wrong on this one. All right. <laughs> this is this is unbelievable. Wait, as soon as I saw your mouth start to say over, I almost fell out of my chair. <laughs> <laughs> so Blue and White Sports, thank you for writing in. Uh, next one, Chris at Lions026. Do you think they will start to use Brandon Smith more? It seems like they could use more rest for the starters and all the chowder, chatter, not chowder, all the chatter sounds like he seems ready, but it's just stuck behind top tier talent. Also the chowder though. Let's not, not Plant pay attention chowder, to it. New okay? England chowder. You got to pay attention. Rhode, Rhode Island chowder. Okay. Ooh, okay. Let's not sleep on it. Fair enough. Uh, what do you think about your boy, Brandon Smith? Are you going to see more from him? Absolutely. Uh, I think just in general, you see like freshmen get more reps as the season goes on. He's proven he can play the position. He's been, Real good. Um, as the season gets longer, guys get more tired. Uh, you know, knock on wood, guys get hurt. Uh, you're going to – yes. So I think you're going to see him in there more, um, especially, you know, third quarters where you want to have your starters rested for the fourth quarter in a, in a tight game. You see him getting in, you know, beginning of the third, middle of the third, just a little bit in the fourth. I think absolutely. Yeah, I think uh... – more than what we've currently seen, yes. But what the point I would make here is like, don't expect a Micah Parsons kind of flip where he's starting to get Agreed. starter type reps because again he's behind Cam Brown, who is a stud, right? And he's like, great, yeah. And he's been great. So I mean, he already jumped Charlie Catch here for the number two, right? He started as number three. He's already the number two, so that's a good thing. Uh, but he's behind Cam Brown, who is who is an incredible linebacker. I mean, your starting three is Cam, Jan, and Micah. Um, I don't know if there are any packages that include four, but if you did have a fourth, Jesse Lucchetta is going to be the fourth. So, like, at best, he's the fifth overall linebacker. Um, and, yeah, I think you'll see him get more opportunities um, in some of these games that we have coming up that will hopefully be blowouts, right? We have still have Rutgers on the schedule, still have a couple of other, um, you know, maybe teams that, that shouldn't be as big what, If that game's not a blowout, I'll eat my own shoes. Yeah, Everyone, everyone, put that down just in case. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I think in those kind of games, maybe you'll see him get quote unquote starter type reps. But for this game, for the Minnesota game, for the Ohio State game, he is going to be a very very valuable backup. But Cam Brown's the dude. All right, moving on. This one comes from Paul Blitton. Blighton. Paul, I'm sorry, I don't know how to say your last name said, how easy is it to slice and dice prize zone that he resorts to when the team is ahead? Uh, not that easy. Uh, I 
kind of disagree there. I think um, we let up 21 points to Michigan. It's the most points we've let up all season. Can't true. be that easy. True. Well, the question is not necessarily how easy is it to score. It's how easy is it to slice and dice. And we have seen teams be able to move on us when we've started to let up. We've seen it at Buffalo. We've seen it at Pitt. Uh, we saw Buffalo that, uh, did it before we were running that zone. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. They did it before we had a lead. Let me make fact, my point. Dan. After we got the lead, they didn't do ungats with the ball. All right. It's been, it's been a couple of weeks. I don't remember. Um, but no, we, I think we have seen it in the past and just in the history with Brent Pry too, where, you know, we're, we, it feels like we are much more aggressive at the start where you see a lot more of those Micah Parsons blitz, Garrett Taylor, Lamont Wade, like some of these, you know, guys coming off the edge as to later in the game, it looks like our secondary is playing a lot more soft coverage, allowing the things underneath, allowing the bend don't break. And, you know, the, the, the part that you kind of have to just be okay with is like, for the most part, it works, right? Where we've seen it not work is games like the Ohio State losses where we've come close and lost, where we've played quote-unquote conservative because we were like trying just to preserve the win rather than play aggressive. So I think it's an ongoing decision or an ongoing conversation. Um, I am not a defensive expert in, in how you should run a zone. Like I trust Brent Pry a whole lot, but as a fan who's not a football expert when you're watching that, it can be infuriating. So like to the question how easy it is, Shit, I don't know. <laughs> um, but is it something that I hope we see? I hope we see change, kind of, right? And I think um, I think it's almost like on the offensive side of the ball how historically we've had so much trouble closing out games. We've had so much trouble getting those last couple first downs to be able to knee it, you know? Uh, and this year we've seen, we've seen it happen a little bit, right? We were able to do it with Iowa. We were able to do it even with the heart attack with Michigan. So, like... You see over time these things get better and better, and I hope the aggressiveness on defense versus the soft zone falls into that same category that we see get better and better against good opponents over time. Pat goes quiet. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. <laughs> <Good> <laughs> I thought one. you were going to read the next question. I don't know. I was giving you a little bit of a room there. No. Um, all right, next one calls from Carl Wooden. Why have we had so much trouble beating Michigan State. I feel like we've talked about this a lot, but like in a two or three sentences, what do you think has been the most trouble beating Michigan State? They've got a great coach. We've been coming off hard losses. Yeah, I really do think that's it. I think uh, I think it's I think it's the coming off hard losses the last two years. Um, and it's also it's just one of those things like like you mentioned earlier, yes they're unranked. Yes they have three losses. They're still a talented team. Like Franklin kept saying something in the press conference today, and he was talking more about Michigan, not Michigan State, but he was saying, like, hey, those are scholarship players on that side of the ball, too. Like, it's still talent. It's still Big Ten talent. Um, should we blow them out? I think so. I hope so. Um, but, I, but I think why it's been, it's been coming off the hard losses. They're a really well-coached team. And quite frankly, they've, they've been a good or uh, which word do you want to say? They've been a bad matchup for us. Right, like they have been able to take advantage of some of our weaknesses, and you hope that that's not the case this time. Um, next, CJ Scalzetti, CJ Goon, what's up? Uh, I said D line was a bit disappointing last game. Do you think they come out strong? Do you think uh, after a week of hammering the point about Clifford not looking at other receivers, we get more of them involved in this game? Michigan State past D is not elite. We have many opportunities there. That's a lot of questions in one. CJ, we love you. Uh, let's start with that first one. D-line D line is a bit disappointing last game. Do you think they come out strong? 
I do think so. You know, you got Coach Chaos back there. He's got to be like one of the ultimate motivators in the country on top of just being a good actual coach of the de- defensive lineman. So I think he's going to have his guys fired up, ready to go, uh, you know, watching film, see what they need to work on. You know, it may not show up necessarily stat-wise. We may still only get one sack just because this is a solid offensive line for Michigan State and Brian Lewerke gets rid of the ball quickly. Um, I would predict more than one sack, but I think even if it's not the numbers you see, I think we put pressure on this team and we definitely shut down that run. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, maybe not the numbers, but you see a lot of the pressure, maybe even forcing him to throw it quicker than he normally does. Uh, the other thing I'd say, too, is I think I think they're going to be even extra motivated because of the performance against Michigan. Like, whiteout, whiteout, stadium rocking, 111,000 people. Like, I mean, you're not pissed off with their performance by any means, but I think, they, I think they're hungry. I think they want to show They wanted that. to have some sacks last yeah. game. Yeah, I think we had one, right? Like... And it yeah. wasn't a defensive lineman. No, it's Garrett Taylor, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think they're I think those wild dogs are hungry. They're gonna eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, next question: Do you think a week after a week of hammering the point home about Clifford not looking at other receivers, we get more of them involved? This has been a big talking point all over all of the blogs. Uh, what do you think about this? Getting other receivers involved? Yeah, I think so. Um, mostly because I think we're gonna have to this game. Yeah, Michigan State, you like said solid pass defense. They don't let up a lot of big plays on pass defense. Uh, so I think it, you know, we're going to have to start looking at those second, third options. And yeah. hopefully, in order to have success, I think, yeah, we're going to have to get some of those other guys involved. Yeah, I think it's something that, that not only the, you know, Twitter sphere has been beaten into a pulp, but I think Franklin has talked about it a lot too. Um, it's a question that comes up in every one of his conferences about why Shorter hasn't been involved. Uh, and he said today, uh, they, they asked like, how come people past KJ and Dotson haven't had much success? He, he kind of tiptoed around it. He said part of it is we're rotating two guys at that position, talking about Shorter and, and Danny George, with Shorter missing some time. Uh, and then he said, but it's opportunities that present themselves. When a team is playing press coverage, that creates more opportunities for the slot and the tight end. But there will be times where they have their opportunities too. In an ideal world, of course, everyone will be involved, blah, 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 blah. Um, I do think, like, this team not allowing big plays, like, I think is part of our nostalgia with them. Like, I think that is, I think that's starting to tip the other way, where they're not as as good on that. And again, I haven't watched every single one of their games. But I don't think they're quite as good at that anymore. However, I mean, D'Antonio has been pretty vocal this week about how they need to shut KJ Hamler down which we mentioned almost every week, easier said than done. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm sure Don Brown and that Michigan defense were trying to shut him down, and he burned you a good three times. Like, So do I think other guys are going to get involved? Yeah, because I think there will be – I mean, as the season goes on, there's even more and more focus on KJ, right? Like after you see that Michigan performance, you know Michigan State's watching that tape, understanding how they can do better there. Um and because I just want to see Shorter succeed, man. Like, I, I want it so bad. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I'm, the thing with Don Brown is he tends to run a kind of defense where he doesn't give a lot of, like, safety help over top to the corners. Mm-hmm. So with KJ, that's, like, that's time to eat right there. Yeah. Uh, my guess is they're gonna, there's going to be safety help. He's going to be getting doubled a little bit more often in this game. Yeah. Yeah, so hopefully that does open up. I mean, Dotson, you know, we've seen him be a little bit quiet, quieter recently, too. So 
it, it all goes back to a lot of it. Like when you're able to string drives together, when you're able to keep control of the ball, there's going to be more opportunities. There's going to be more attempts. So, yes, hopefully. Uh, and then he said Michigan State pass defense is not elite. We may have opportunities there. I, I think they're I think they're good. I think they're not great. I think they're good. Um, we've kind of talked about that already. Uh, CJ, this is more of a comment, but we'll read it. I love the fact that Franklin said in an interview about this game that enough is enough. I like the fact we're coming off wins heading into this game as opposed to heartbreaking losses. I shave. No, he said I shave, but I believe it's I have Penn State 24, Michigan State 10. If you're shaving, I don't know what you're doing. Over there. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, cool. We'll get to predictions in a minute. But uh, yeah, I agree, CJ. I think it's cool that Franklin acknowledged that. Uh, and yes, coming off wins is always better than coming off losses. Um, last one comes from Mike W at Penn State forever. So he said, pretty tough on Clifford week to week. How were you with Trace last year, who I think was pretty bad for a lot of last season? I'm the same way because you got to get better every week, but curious to know how that went. I think this is kind of on me. I think I've, uh, I think I've been harder on Clifford maybe than you have, but, uh, take a stab at that. What do you think? Uh, compare our, our criticism and our expectations from Clifford to what it was for Trace last year. Um, I guessing we were probably more pro trace, uh, just because we love the love the guy so much yeah. uh, that we can't help it. But I, don't, I mean, I've been pretty pro Sean Clifford. The thing is, like, I think he's been good uh, at times, even great. Uh, just not as consistent as we want to see him. I, he's got there are things in his game that need to improve. Uh, he's done everything that we've asked of him to this point. Would I like to see him get better? Yeah, of course I would. Is there room for him to get better? There is. But again, for a first-year starter, I mean, the kid's been pretty tremendous. Yeah. Um, I, I think I've I think I've been a little bit harder on him. And it's not even the right word. And, and this I'm trying not to sound like excusey here, but it's it's like it's not that I think he's doing poorly because he's not. He's doing incredible. Like the things that I'm pointing out are like he is the key to this offense becoming elite. Like uh-huh. when he gets that development of being able to read the read option and the RPO better than he currently is, being able to hit the intermediate passes, being able to settle into the pocket because like he does scramble a little early sometimes and that that costs us, that kills some drives. So I'm not I'm not like trying to be hard on him. It's just pointing out like, hey, he's already playing at a really high level, having some of these things that he hasn't figured out yet. When he gets there, we're gonna be even better. Um, Comparing to Trace last year, yeah, no chance because Trace's third year as a starter. He's the face of the program. Of course, we love the guy. I think it was towards the very end when he was, like, pretty badly hurt that we were like, okay, maybe you should put Tommy in. (laughs) Um, But I think the better comparison would be, like, to Trace's first year. Um, You know, how did we we get on him versus At which point we were not doing this podcast. We did not do the podcast, but we had opinions, right? Uh, and and I've, I've said this before on, I think, some tweets to people. I think the difference is the expectation levels of the program. When Trace, oh, took, over, sure. when Trace took over in 2016, we had no expectations. Like, we, we sat there kind of like, maybe we'll shock the world. Maybe we'll beat that team. And it was. And it was amazing. And then 2017. Yeah, but first we kind of gave up. Yeah, true, true. Because of Peyton, yeah. Michigan. Yes. Like, it didn't start off real hot. No, and we were, and honestly, if we had this podcast, we'd probably be shitting on him. Um, so, like, yeah, it's it, it took some time to come around, but I think the difference is, like, 
where we are now is after three years of really good success, we read off of, you know, the, the wins numbers earlier, um, we expect to be a top 10 team. We expect to be competing for Big Ten championships. We expect to be playoff contenders. And, like, we, I, I mean the fan base, like, I'm sure that internally they have their own expectations, but, like, is that fair to expect that? Maybe not. But that's what college football is, man. Like, you have some success for a couple of years. The fan base is going to be itching. So anything I say about Clifford improving is not a knock on him. It's not saying he's not performing. And I get that it comes off that way. That's that's fine. But it's it's more of he is the key, and he will open the floodgates of this being a prolific offense. And I'll tell you what, especially for how inexperienced he is, he's done a tremendous job not turning the ball over. I mean, that's usually yes. the knock you see on a guy. In fact, the, the two things that he does well are usually what you don't see out of young first-time stars is he f- got like good success in the deep ball, and he doesn't turn the ball over. Yeah, seriously. It's, it's I mean, been the easier things that have been kind of tougher for him, the run reads and the mm-hmm. completing the easy passes. Yeah, and that comes with maturity. You know, like I, I am so excited for the future of this kid and, and what this program can do. But at the same time, yeah, of course we're going to want to win right now. We're 7-0, damn it. Like, yeah, yeah there's going to be that scrutiny. So, yes, I, I love Clifford. I will always love Clifford. Very, very high on him. All right, uh, those are all the Twitter questions. I do have a couple more Franklin quotes. Let's get into those real quick, and then we'll get into our predictions. Hey, it's Franklin. All right, um, from his from his press conference today, a couple things that we can talk about. Um he said there's a big focus on special teams fakes. Fake punts, fake field goals, onside kicks. If you remember, they've hit us with a couple of these. Um, they've hit us with fake field goals before. It's something you have to say, but, like, I don't know, man. I, I hope that this doesn't happen. Like, it's it, it bothers me that we're even talking about it in a press conference. It's one of the most demoralizing things to happen to a team. It is, especially when it's, like, a big man uh, oh. touchdown on a fake field goal. Get out of here. Big fatties. Um, so something to keep an eye on. Um, he asked about where he'd like to be more consistent, and I thought this was uh, I thought this was interesting because he gave a fairly generic answer of it's it's about everything. But then he did rattle things off, and I wonder if I wonder if the order that he said these is like you know subconsciously how he was thinking about them. So he said uh, it's about everything: run game, protection, hitting throws we should hit consistently, all of it. Third down, explosive plays. It's like some of those first things, run game, protection, hitting throws we should hit consistently. Those are some of the things that we've harped on. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Also hitting throws we should hit. Yes. Big time. And then that's been a Clifford issue too, right? Missing some easy ones, overthrowing some open guys. It'll come with maturity. Um, He mentioned, or someone asked, when you know there's going to be five or six drives a game, at least when you won't score, how do you measure success? field position, punting, etc. And he said, obviously we want to score every drive, but with the style of defense we're playing right now, it's a good thing if the drive ends in a kick, meaning you're kicking the extra point, you're kicking a field goal, or you're punting. Basically saying, no turnovers. Not turning, yeah. And he said, we're doing that. We still have a chance to win the game, and we're doing that. Um, the next step is to be able to punt people deep in their own area, which we're doing better at, but we need to continue to be more consistent. So... I thought that was interesting that they, they, you know, obviously obviously you expect a head coach to be very aware of that, but, like, he had a very very good response to that, I thought. Yeah. Uh, special teams in general, they asked him, how do you feel about limiting your opponent's returns? Um, 
So he said, uh, I think stats can be misleading with like punt yards because we're pinning guys deep with sky punts. So you might not see as many yards, but we're doing a good job of like pinning guys. Um, as far as kick returns and punt returns against us, what we've done better this year than years past is we haven't had any catastrophic plays, returns for a touchdown. Uh, biggest thing we have to eliminate is the penalties. Say, and he referenced Saturday, KJ had that kick return for a touchdown, called back for holding, uh, and he said it was a holding, it was a double team. We didn't need to hold the guy, it would have been fine. So, um, yeah, I kind of didn't notice that. Like, we haven't really let up any big returns, whereas years past, we've had a couple here and there. Yeah, I mean, special teams has been solid this season. Yeah, I've I've really enjoyed it. Um, and shout out to Joe Lorick, new special teams coordinator. Uh, lastly, someone asked him about Tom Bahali being on campus, um, and I thought this was just a really cool little tidbit into kind of how the, the inner workings of the program are. Um, he said his humility was so impressive. Some guys get up and talk to the team and, and wow the room because of their dynamic and their presence, uh, but he wowed us with his humility. His message was to talk less, listen more, the way he said it and the way he went about his business was really impressive. You can tell why he's with the Chiefs for so long. I think it was 12 years. Guys don't last 12 years just by sacking the QB. He's a culture driver. Um, and the question kind of stemmed from – it wasn't even a question about Tom Bahali. Someone asked him about like players tweeting and how they're doing on social media, and he kind of brought that up of like, listen, I get it's the world we live in. I get people are going to be tweeting. I have to tweet. He's like, if I could, I would give my Twitter account over to our uh, communications department and let them do it all. But he said, he's like, Tombo is so humble, so like the way he went about his business was really impressive. He's like, and I hope that I hope that resonated with our guys. Yeah, I love Tom Bali. He was part of that first uh, Penn State team that I was a fan of. Oh, yeah? Uh, Tom Bali, Michael Robinson, Paul Puzlozny. Nice. And that, that was when I started watching college football. And they, they got me to like be a Penn State fan and want to go to Penn State. And he's he's just incredible. Yeah. I agree. Uh, Franklin said he offered all of his kids, even the three-month-old, which you just got to love. Um, all right, lastly, one last thing. John Reed also had a press conference. There's John Reed and Dan Chazena. Um, so John Reed, several people asked him about the Ohio State block and return, which is funny because he wasn't on that play. I mean, it was Haley and Mark Salen, right? Yeah. Uh, but they asked him, they're like, hey, it's been three years since then. Have you had the time to think about how much it's meant to this program? And he was like, no, don't really think about it. Like, would rather focus on the task at hand and, and the season we're in right now. And then someone else brought it up. And they were like, well, you know, I'm going to ask about it again. Do you ever think about the before and after? Uh, Franklin was 18 and 14 before that game, 34 and 7 since that game. You know, kind of challenging your 1 and 0 mentality. You know, do you think that has a factor in things? And Reed goes, no. It's always been a 1 and 0 mentality since I've gotten here, meaning 1 and 0 every week, no matter who the opponent, no matter what's going on. Since I've been here in 2015, same process every week, and we're constantly seeing improvement. So, like, it, it came off weird that people were, like, continuing to try to kind of press this. And then finally, one guy asks him, not about that game, it says, how do you make sure guys aren't reminiscing on the whiteout win too much going into this week? You know, emotions are running high. He goes, you can't really reminisce when you expect it. We expect to win every game. That's the visualization part. We picture ourselves doing our job, doing everything we need to win. It's that mentality every week. I, what I really love about that is just how much you guys are buying into James Franklin's system. Mm -hmm. You know, you can have all the talent you want. If they don't follow your coach, you're doomed. Yeah. Yeah, completely agree. And like I said, I'm not going to dwell on this one too much, but I just loved how John Reed is, I think, one of the most like 
real guys. Not to say anyone's fake, but he's very quiet, kind of humble. Like we were just talking about where he he doesn't really give you the rah-rah. And like he wasn't saying those things to try to be cool. Like, no, nah, I don't think about that. No, nah, I'm too cool for that. He was just like very genuine. No, I don't think about that. I think about the season. I think about the game. Like, And, and it's just it shows you like what they're all about. So with that being said, let's get into our predictions. They're running a little over an hour. You guys are going to get a long episode. Sorry, it's a Friday. Maybe a Saturday morning you're listening to this. Um, Pat, what is your key to victory? Three and outs. My key to victory is three and outs. Uh, I think if we force them, I don't have a number on how many we have to force, but if we have less than three, three and outs during the game, I think we come away with a victory here. Okay, so you're saying our offense or their or our defense? Our, our offense. Like we go three and outs. I mean the three and outs. Got fewer it. than three times. Okay, cool. There's no uh, way we don't come away with a victory. I love that. Love that, love that. Mine is going to be the other side of the ball. Key to victory, you have to stop Brian Lewerke. Um I went on a lot of tangents on this before, so I won't recap everything, but just to give the stats. <laughs> Last year, Penn State, Michigan State, Lewerke was 24 of 52, 52 pass attempts for 260 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. 2017, he was 33 of 56, 400 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. He has had a lot of success against us the last two years. You have to stop him. Have to, have to, have to stop him. That's getting to him early. Create pressure. Force some uncomfortableness. Create interceptions. Whatever you got to do, stop Brian Lewerke. Can you tell him a little hyped up on that I like it. Drive it home, kid. All right. Don't be surprised if. What shouldn't we be surprised about? Uh, Don't be surprised if we see the closest thing to a feature back we've seen all season. Oh, okay. I love that. Is that guy going to be no game? Yes. And I think it's still going to be a committee. I don't think Noah Kane's going to start the game, but I think he's going to get a heavy portion of the reps. I hope you're right because I, I need that to be true. Um, and again, I'll be happily wrong on that under. Uh, my don't be surprised. I'm going to reg- regurgitate a couple old ones because I just I need it. Uh, don't be surprised if there is a return touchdown. Yes. Punt return, kick return. KJ's going to get one. I don't know if you saw in the Michigan State game, they, uh, they had KJ laying down in the end zone uh, on one where Jahan was uh, about to receive, and it was going to be like a trick play. Um, they didn't actually get to run it. I don't remember what happened if they if there was a penalty or they kicked it out of bounds. Or, I don't remember what happened. They didn't get to run it. Um, but KJ was laying in the end zone. A little trickery. Keep an eye out for that. Oh. Um, and we did have the 100-yard turn that got called back. So getting closer, that's going to happen. And then also don't be surprised if Justin Shorter um, finally has a breakout game. I literally predicted the same thing last week. I was wrong. I'm going to run it back, double down, Justin Shorter. One week late. <laughs> One week late. Uh, all right, Penn State pick them. Time to pick. Uh, Penn State is, depending on the book, it's minus six, minus six and a half. The best I've seen is minus five and a half. Um, it won't matter for my prediction, but if it does, you can take the best of those lines. Uh, and then the over-under is 43 and a half. So, Pat, what is your prediction? Penn State and the under. <laughs> the classic Colicchio. <laughs> and I'm going 28 to 14 Penn State. 28-14. Yeah, we're going to coin that as the classic Colicchio. Classic Colicchio. Um, Penn State okay. the under, baby. Okay. I, I don't think they score two touchdowns on us if that's what you're uh, that's what you're insinuating. Um, I'm going to go with the classic Hankin. I'm going to go Penn State and the over. I got Penn State 35, Michigan 9. Michigan State 9. I don't think they're getting in the end zone. Fuck Brian Lewerke. We're going to shut him down. All they right. might get close. They're going to kick a couple of field goals. 
35.9 puts us just over that 43.5, puts us right at 44. So, uh, uh, we're, we're straddling that over under the two of us. It's it's damn close, yeah. Because yours comes in at what forty two, literally a point on either side. Um, yeah, I mean, this has got to be the game where where we win big against them. That's it. Like we've enough is enough. Franklin said it. I hope you're Cedric right. I Cedric like your prediction it. a lot more. I'd love to yeah, see it. Thirty five nine. We're gonna come away with a big win. Uh, I think this is it. also the first time you have guessed the opposing team scoring fewer points than me. It's true. I uh, I got in my own head a little bit, uh, and after I, I made fun of you last week, yeah, and honestly, like I said, it, it, with with Michigan actually putting up more points, with them putting up twenty one, like our defense is going to come out feisty, man. I feel it. So, Pat's got twenty eight fourteen. I got thirty five nine. Um, thank you guys for listening. I know this is a little bit of a longer one. It's coming out on a Friday, so there's only a day and a half to listen to it. We'll we'll try to get better at these, but um, we appreciate you listening. Thanks for writing in. Uh, check out check out the number. Call in for voicemails. I'll tweet it out again when we do a recap. Uh, and then after this game, we go into a bye. So let's get a win. Let's go into the bye and get prepped for that remainder of the season. Pat, any last words for the listeners? 1-0 this week, baby. 1-0 oh this week we are.